Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are at the final part of this series on the Glorious Church. And we began last Sunday to talk about the fact that the church is a growing church. Um, and here we are in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 42 to 46. Same passage we've been reading now for 12 weeks. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. They broke bread and they prayed. It says, Fear came upon every soul, not just in the church, I believe in the community as well, and there were many signs and wonders done through the hands of the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods. They divided them among all as anyone had need. They were a generous church. So continuing daily with one accord, one heart, one agreement, one direction, one heart, one accord in the temple. They broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart, they praised God, having favor, had favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church every day. This was a, every day the Lord added to the church. People coming to Christ every day, those who were being saved. We began last Sunday to think about the fact that God, obviously Jesus, is the Lord of the harvest. God thinks harvest. He's interested in harvest. Um, I know here it says the Lord added to the church. That soon increased to the church. It wasn't just added to, it absolutely exploded in growth around the world. And um, here we are today with, you know, the name of Jesus Christ is adored around the world today. A third of the world's population would say, I'm a Christian. Um, now, I believe God wants to, to show himself strong in a way we've never seen before. Um, you know, Jesus himself said, you'll do greater works you'll do greater works. And we covered that just the other week. God wants to show himself strong. Why? Because he wants an end time harvest. He wants a harvest. Perhaps we're not in the end times. I think we probably are. But, you know, he wants a harvest in our day, in this generation, 2021. God is the God of the harvest. God wants his harvest. Jesus didn't die on the cross for a little remnant of people. You know what? There are tens and hundreds of thousands of people in our world today, in every city. You know, here we are in southeast London, just in Bromley, there's 300,000 people. In Croydon, 300,000. In Lewisham, 300,000. In Southwark, 300,000 or 350,000, whatever it is. Hundreds of thousands of people that need to come to Christ. And this was what the church was birthed for. It certainly wasn't just birthed so we could just have fellowship or just listen to teaching or just break bread together. The final words of Jesus Christ before he was taken up to be with the Father was this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The Great Commission is what we call it. We are here today to lead other people to Christ. So today I want to, um, as we begun last uh, Sunday to talk about Jesus Christ, the Lord of the harvest. And we understood that the church is a growing church. We understood that God is interested and is passionate about gathering in his harvest. Then we went into a little bit of detail, really, and we started to talk about the fact that a church will have a culture. And as you go into that church, as you come into the environment of that church, you're going to say, you know what? I really feel at home here. Now, it's not that there's more of God. It's not that, well, these people are Christians and these people aren't. You know what? Churches are Christian. People are Christians there. 
And it's not that, oh, there's more of God here than in that one. For heaven's sake, let's not get into comparison and start getting into arrogance and pride that this church has got God and that one hasn't. Absolutely not. You know what it often comes down to? Where I feel I fit in the culture of the church the way the church expresses itself, the type of music it plays. You know, sometimes you'll play a song that someone's life and they go, oh, you know, God was really in the place. And yeah, I'm sure he was. But you know what? Often people, they relate and they align to what they feel because of the culture of the church, not just the person of the Holy Spirit. This is really important. I don't want you to think that this is just being really carnal. A church will impact its community if the community feels like they can relate with the church. Now, absolutely, the Bible is really clear. What has light got to do with darkness? And I'm not saying that a church becomes so carnal and so of the spirit of the world that there's no difference. I'm not, I'm not obviously going there, but what I am talking about is, you know what, if a church has got a name as a grumpy church, or that's the weird church, or that's the exclusive church, or that's the church where you go there and you just feel yuck, then it's really not going to help to grow the kingdom of God. And God will grow what the Apostle Paul plants and Apollos pours on the water. What you and I do gives God the opportunity to do what only God can do, which is the supernatural act of growing the church. He grows the church. He adds to the church every day. But we have got a fundamental part to play. So today, I'm going to go on to point number four. We covered three points last week. I'm going to go on to point number four. And point number four is this. I want to call it the healthy church. The healthy church. Now, that's not a biblical expression, but it's an expression that I hope that you can understand and we can relate to and we can get a lot out of. It's very clear that the early church was a healthy church. Now, you go through all sorts of seasons through the book of Acts where things became a real challenge. You could say certain aspects were unhealthy. If you read the book of Corinthians, you find out all they did was, you know, apparently they came together and they had far too much to drink and they were having a party when it should have been a church service. So things became a bit unhealthy, if I could say it like that. It wasn't quite right. It wasn't according to scripture, gone off into excess. You can speak to the Galatian church. They'd gone off, you know, perhaps over into the law again. And Paul had to correct that by bringing in, we're not under law, we're under grace. Things have become unhealthy, unhealthy. So I want to talk about this concept of the healthy church because the early church was a healthy church. They were, they were absolutely devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. They were together. They were passionate. They were preaching. The Lord was adding to the church. The church was healthy. And... You know, something that I, I came to start to understand, I'm still getting there, some years ago, probably 15 years ago, perhaps even 20 years ago, was this. You don't have to make a church grow. Now, I've already covered, and I don't really want to contradict myself, the fact that God does the growing part, and God can only grow what we put the seed in the ground and pour on the water. God isn't going to grow something that's not been planted, because there's nothing to grow. God's, God can't grow a situation which 
is a toxic situation. God's not going to grow somewhere if a church is full of strife and full of unforgiveness. God's not going to add to that every day. It needs to be a healthy situation. But on the other opposite way, you don't have to make a church grow. I can't make Citygate Church grow. It's not going to happen. All I can do as a church here is create an environment that is healthy that there's seed in the ground, there's an atmosphere, there's an environment that means God can then cause the increase. I, I absolutely fundamentally believe this. I think if God has to invade and do something so supernatural and so spiritual that, you know, before it was an absolute mess and then God turns up and it's fantastic, well, that's great and God can do that where and whenever he wants to. And you hear of the most amazing revivals where God just falls on a city or he falls on a town and something happens. But you know what? Um, I'll get into this a little bit later, but, you know, revivals only last two or three or four years, perhaps five or six, and then the place goes back to what it was before. Um, you know, a revival is a fantastic thing to kickstart something, but God seems to want to work with his church and healthy things grow all by themselves. You see, our job is to do what we can do, which is create an environment. It's to remove the obstacles. Our job is to develop the right way of thinking and our job is to release our passion and our compassion for people. See, God does the supernatural thing, but it's us who create the environment. It's us who remove the obstacles led by the Holy Spirit. It's us who develop the mindsets and renew our minds and change our mind as we think in line with the way God thinks and the way God speaks. And it's us who release our passion. Then God does what only God can do. I absolutely believe that healthy things grow all by themselves. In that passage of scripture that we read last time about a man sows seed, uh, over there in Mark chapter 4, a man sows seed in the ground, he's the farmer. He does what he needs to do and he goes to bed and he gets up and he rises and he, you know, all that stuff that it says over there in Mark chapter 4. He just goes about his daily business and it says this, the seed grows, fantastic expression, all by itself. There's power in the seed to grow all by itself, but it still needs the right environment. The seed grows all by itself, and then he puts in the sickle because the harvest is ripe. Can I say it like this? Healthy things grow all by themselves. You don't have to make something grow, you just have to provide a healthy environment. And I believe in this early church, they obviously had a healthy environment because it was easy for God to add, not that there's anything too hard for God, but God, God could easily grow the early church. Why? Because there was seed in the ground, there was a great environment of teaching and prayer and fellowship and faith and covenant. Of course, God was doing signs and wonders and miracles. If you want a church to grow, don't try and make it grow. Put your energy, your faith, your personal life into making a church healthy and it will grow all by itself. There are eight healthy church characteristics. Every church in the world has these eight characteristics to some degree of health. They'll either be healthy or unhealthy or somewhere along the scale. Every church has some kind of leadership. Every church has some kind of 
those in authority, whether it's a pastor or a group of elders or a, a priest or a bishop, whatever it is, every church has some kind of culture of leadership. What's the, the culture of the leadership in Citygate Church or in the church you're part of? It's, there's all sorts of different models in the New Testament. There's an apostolic model, there's elders, there's pastors, there's all sorts of things. And I'm not going to get into all the different models, but the thing I'd ask is, is it healthy? Is, is the culture of, of, of how things are led in Citygate Church here, or in the church you're part of, not that I'm asking you to judge your church, please, but I'm just, I'm just trying to create... These, these thoughts right now that if we make a church healthy, it'll grow all by itself. Is, is it an empowering leadership or a controlling leadership? Is it where other people are being raised up into leadership or is it a one-man show? You see, it's, it's either going to be healthy or it's going to be unhealthy. What's the next one? Every church, every church has, has an example of, of some kind of a relational model. People relate in churches. Now, that's either going to be healthy or it's going to be unhealthy. Obviously, unhealthy is where everybody hates each other and they just come and they hear some teaching and go home and there's no relationship. Or is it in love? Is, is it that in the church, there's love shared among the relationship? Obviously, in the early church, they sold stuff to meet each other's needs. I mean, what a great expression, yes, of generosity and the grace of giving, but what a great expression of love. It's like, well, if I've got something and I can help you, we have a relationship together. You see, every church has some kind of an expression of relationship. It'll either be healthy or unhealthy. These are things which we have the authority to have influence into the structure of the leadership and the intimacy and the extent of the love of the relationship. What's the next one? Structures. Every church has got some kind of structure, some kind of organizational structure. But it'll either be something that is functional or it'll be something that is completely dysfunctional. I remember hearing once a board of trustees met and they spent an hour and a half discussing, do we have a hand dryer or do we have paper towels? And it's like, wow, really? Uh, to spend that length of time on something so insignificant. I'm sure that doesn't need a board of trustees, you know, discussion for an hour and a half to just decide what we hang on the toilet wall. You know what? If something has got completely, um, you know, structures that are completely dysfunctional, then nothing will ever get done. Everything needs a vote. Everything needs a board decision. Everything. Now, I'm not saying that we don't care about these things, but if we're empowering people into leadership, if we're empowering people in the church to rise up, you know, surely some of these decisions can be decided by the people in authority. I don't want to be asked, what color do we paint the kids' church wall? Paint it whatever color the kids like. Let somebody else make that decision. There will be structures in a church that are functional or they are completely dysfunctional or somewhere along that line. And this creates a healthy or an unhealthy church environment. See, these are very natural things. These are not super spiritual. They're very natural. And as we put in the seed and as we create the environment, God can bring the increase. What's the next thing? Small groups, it's clear from the word of God that the church is not just a gathering on Sunday, but they gathered from house to house. Some people call them home groups or small groups or house groups, whatever you want to call them, cell groups, I don't know. All sorts of churches have different examples. 
Now, I'm not going to talk about what your culture or what this church culture or that church culture does, because perhaps one house group in one, in, you know, one style in one church is about evangelism. Uh, house groups are to bring people to Christ and you invite your friends. Perhaps another one, it's all Bible studies and it's just for Christians. Perhaps for somebody else, it's all interest groups. We just hang out together and we go to the, you know, to the coffee shop or we go and watch a film or we go and running or we go, you know, we go shopping. I don't know, whatever your, your small group does. But the fact is groups have got to get together. Everybody needs to be a part of a small group. It's absolutely vital because these are the eight church health examples and the characteristics that every church has. This is the next one, number five, spirituality. Of course, a church is a spiritual place to be. But that spirituality can be in so many different expressions. They're all fine, but they can either be healthy or unhealthy. They're either really passionate or they're really dead. Now, don't think dead as in quiet or 17th century hymns. Never ever judge what a church is alive or dead by its style. It's the passion from the person's heart, from the culture of the church. Is this a passionate, spiritual church? Is it really passionately spiritual? Are we excited about our relationship with Jesus Christ? How it's expressed is completely independent depending on the church that you're in. But there's got to be spiritual passion there. What's the next thing? Number six is every, every church has, has opportunities for people to serve. But now how can this be healthy or unhealthy? Well, is it according to people's gifting? Um, here in Citygate Church, we, you know, we sort of do um, analysis on personalities and gift analysis. What are people good at? I'm not going to put a grumpy person who hasn't got the ability to smile on the front door saying hello to people as they come in on a Sunday. That would be an unhealthy situation. Why? Because these things affect the culture and the environment of the church. Perhaps you think today, well, this isn't really a preach. No, but this is how God brings growth and harvest into the church of Jesus Christ. We've already covered, we got to preach the word of God and we got to know our covenant and we got to pray. But we, if we're doing all the spiritual stuff and we're not doing any of the natural stuff, we're going to be in a stagnant church. It's really, really simple. Healthy things grow all by themselves as God does his work. So as, you know, there's a really sad statistic. 80% of people in the body of Christ would say they don't know their gift or what they're supposed to be doing. Now that's, you know, from the church health structures and the, you know, the surveys that go out there. 80% of people say, I don't know what my gift is. Well, let's make this really simple. What are you good at? Are you good at really speaking to people and talking? Then get on the front door and say hello to people. Are you good with kids? Get in kids church and serve there. Why? Because we serve according to our gift. I'm very aware when you, you, know, you first start a church, and we've done it a few times, that everybody does everything. And I've done stuff I'm not really good at because it's just got to be done and people serve wherever you serve. But as a church grows, a healthy church will have square pegs in square holes and round pegs in round holes. It will be people serving according to their gifting. Really, really important. What's the next one? Healthy church characteristics. Number, number seven here is evangelism. Evangelism has every church will in some way want to spread the gospel. Now, evangelism can be just according to a doctrine 
or it can be a bit more intelligent than that. Um, how can I explain myself? Okay, to just stand on the street corner now and somebody shout at somebody with a Bible may not be very effective now in 2021. Why? Because the church is a tiny percentage of the whole community and in general, most people have already formed an opinion about the church and just somebody standing on a street corner and screaming at somebody out of a Bible is not going to have a great impact. Why? Because you've got somebody for 30 seconds as they walk past who's already got an opinion. They've already formed an opinion of what the church is all about. And you're not going to change somebody's opinion in 30 seconds. To just be engaged with that and call it evangelism, I think is very, very narrow. Now, of course, there's a place to go on the streets. Of course, there's a place to spread the word of God. But come on, we've got to think about this. What are the needs? A healthy church would understand evangelism according to the needs of the community. Evangelism has got to be friendship evangelism. It's got to be let's make friends with our next door neighbors. Let's make friends with people in the workplace. And then, you know, they discover we're Christians. Wow, what does that mean? What are, you've got credibility in a relationship. Now, if you're a healing evangelist, fine, do your tent crusade and provide an environment for us to bring our friends. But we're not all healing evangelists. We're normal people in an office, in a school, in a road where we're surrounded by people who need Jesus Christ and our evangelism has got to be relational. Absolutely. Now in that, I believe in the power of God. God will give us opportunities to lay hands on the sick. I've seen it so many times when I used to work in London. The opportunity to pray with people and to believe God for a breakthrough and to lead people to Christ. But it's always in the context of, a, of an office or a school. It's always in the context of a relationship of trust that has been developed. That that's not that weird Christian over there. That's that amazing person whose life just seems to be going from strength to strength. Not perfect, going through same challenges but we get the answers from God. We get a way through. He makes straight paths for our feet. And the Bible is really clear that we can shine in the darkness. I'll get into that one in just a minute. So evangelism has got to be need-oriented. Needs. What are the needs in the society and how can the church meet those needs with the love of God? And finally, number eight of these healthy church characteristics is our services where we worship God together. Now again, different church cultures will express that very differently. You know, some will be quieter, some will be loud. I mean, here in Citygate, we got smoke lights and bands and jump around and whatever else. You know, don't think it's scriptural or non-scriptural. It's just the culture of the church. And that will determine who we appeal to and who we don't appeal to. For a church to think, we're going to appeal to everybody, they actually won't appeal to anybody because you've got to know your culture. What are you going for? 5,000 churches in London are all going to, you know, get a different sort of a harvest. Thank God for it. It's wonderful. It's the patchwork of the kingdom of God. It's absolutely fantastic how God expresses himself through so many different styles and streams of churchmanship. Fantastic. Not a problem with it. But the worship services must be healthy. What do I mean by that? They've got to be inspiring. As we come together, people have got to be encouraged, be fed with the word of God, 
be inspired as they express themselves in worship, whether that's very loud or very quiet. Now, I believe from the Bible that it's right to dance and sing and shout and clap, but let's not make that the sign of health. Let's make it have people engaged with God on a Sunday, has it been inspiring? Are the worship services inspiring? Do we grow spiritually? Do we um, open up more to God? And do we receive more of God? Come on, this is what healthy church is all about. Now, all of those, everything is dependent on everything else. It could be that a church is great in three of those, really terrible in one of them, and all right in the other four. Yeah, very, you know, it isn't that a church has one standard across all eight of the healthy church characteristics. You know, it will be very rare for a church to be strong in all of those. You know, perhaps a church could be strong, really strong in its, its um, healthy church characteristic of small groups. Everybody's in a small group and the small groups are wonderful. But, you know, the church is really bad at inspiring worship services. You know, perhaps that's really down there and yet the small groups is really up there and really healthy. Perhaps they've got a fantastic functional structures, but perhaps they've got really bad empowering leadership. See, every church, each of these eight characteristics are going to have different strengths. And what is very typical for a church to do is to say, you know what, the church isn't growing or we need to grow more. Let's take the thing we're really good at and do it even more. So this thing gets even stronger. But the one that is really the downfall or the thing that means the church isn't growing, it's unhealthy. People are pouring out because your small groups aren't very good or people are pouring out because the spirituality is not very passionate. Whatever healthy church characteristic, it's really important that we grow them all because as we grow the health of the church, God brings the increase. Obviously, I've talked a lot about healthy church and there's actually a whole seminar that we do on this um, about healthy church, creating a healthy church environment. Um, but I want to go into the fifth point today, and that is this. We've, if we're going to be a healthy church, and, and I believe we are to a degree, but there's always more to do. If we're going to see the Lord of the harvest reap the harvest of souls that we want to see, as I've said time and time again, it's this partnership. It's the divine human partnership. It's the fact that God does the supernatural, but we do the natural. We create the environment. We're the people smiling on the front door. We're the one with the style of music. We're the one with the, you know, the seats that are comfortable. Wow, really, does that make a difference? It really does. Having nice, comfortable seats, having, having good environment. These things are really important. At the time, we used to meet above a pub you know, very early on in Citygate's journey. You know, it began in a drama studio and then we went to this function hall above a pub. And, you know, the kids' church was in the ladies' cloakroom, not quite into the toilets, but in the, like, the cloakroom area of the bar. The, you know, and the other bit of the kids' church was in the bar area. I mean, this was like early church, pioneering church. But you know what? Every Sunday we brought in fresh flowers Every Sunday, we made sure that place smelt nice. We sprayed the air. It was a function room the night before. Who knows what was going on in that pub function room? And we'd hoover the carpet, and we'd, we'd make the place smell nice. We'd do everything we could with what we had to create an environment where people felt like we'd gone over and above. You know, people start saying, oh, you didn't need to do that. 
I want to hear those sorts of expressions. Wow, your seats are really comfortable. You didn't need to go that far. Yes, we did. We want the wow factor. We want to provide an environment where people who don't know Jesus come into our environment and they experience, of course, the presence of God. But they experience Christians who are different. We experience Christians who have got a smile on their face. I don't believe people want to come to a church where Christians are fed up and everything's bad news and it's all negative and oh Jesus come back quickly because this world is such a mess. No, come on. They want to come into a place of life and positivity where people are pleased to see them and it's genuine and we're not pointing the finger and judging and say why are you wearing that or what's going on. Come on, we create an environment for the unchurched to come in and as we put the seed in the ground, come on, as we pour on the water, God can bring the increase. So this fifth point today is absolutely vital, and that is we each know our role. We each have a part to play. It says in Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it. Now, of course, our first thing there is that Almighty God has got to build the house. The Lord has got to build the house because unless the Lord builds the house, it's a waste of time. We understand that. But actually, it's a bit of a conundrum, this verse. Listen to it again. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Let me paraphrase it, change it around. Unless the Lord builds the house, the ones who actually do the building are wasting their time. You see, so many times people would quote that verse, oh, the Lord's going to build the house, the Lord's going to build the house. Well, I see it completely the other way around. We build the house under his instruction. It's the church that does the work under his anointing. It's the church that puts our hand to the plow and we create the environment led by the Holy Spirit with the grace of God upon our lives. You see, it's really clear to me from that verse that we build the house. They labor in vain who actually do the building. It's a bit like if you, you know, if you think of a building company. You may have a director of a building company, a, constructive, a construction company. They sit behind their desk with the plans. They don't lay the bricks. You know, they aren't a carpenter or an electrician or the one putting down the carpets or the one who's digging the foundations. They're the ones you would say, they're the house builder. That's the CEO, that's the director, they're the house builder. That person is a house builder. I've got a good friend who's a developer and you would say he's a house builder but he doesn't go to the building site and lay the bricks or do any of the work. It's the workmen that build the house and you and I are the people who build the church under the direction and according to the plans, the blueprints of Jesus Christ the Lord of the harvest, and the head of the church. So God's job is supernatural. I've covered this so many times now. All we can do for that is to open ourselves up to God and receive his anointing and hear his voice for God to do his part. But we do our part. I wonder why, you know, so many revivals only last two, three, four, five, six years. Why? Because so often in those revivals, yeah, people have prayed. And prayer is fundamental and we pray, God, pour out your spirit. God, do something. God does something supernatural. But just a question here. I wonder if Almighty God just doing his bit onto a situation 
that's not a growing, healthy situation is ever going to continue on. I just wonder. You see, when God does his bit in spite of us, and we don't grow the healthy situation here, then it's all on God, and there's none of the, of the electricians and the bricklayers and the whatever doing their part. It's all God. You know what? It's not going to last very long. It'll last for a few years, and it'll kickstart something, and the point of a revival is then to build a healthy church that God can keep adding to. So Acts chapter 2 was supernatural. God poured out his spirit, but it very quickly went into a healthy situation where they met together, they prayed together, they gave together, they served together. Think of the eight characteristics. They developed functional structures. There was a time in Acts chapter 5, I think it was, where people weren't being fed. They were being left out of the daily food. And you know what? It very quickly was sorted and a healthy structure was put in place and people were fed again. If if that hadn't happened, I wonder how long revival would have carried on or that outpouring would have carried on because there would have been division and upset in the church that carried on. A healthy situation will deal with the natural aspects of church life. But it's also important that this is not just people, you know, hearing something preached or coming from the top. We've all got a part to play. Our role, individually. I'm... I'm I'm not saying the church's job, I'm saying our individual job. What is it? It's to shine. It's to shine with the love of God everywhere we are. Don't just think the church is going to shine. Am I shining in my, you know, to my neighbors? Am I shining in my workplace? Because this is how God can give the increase as we do our part. We need to shine with the love and the goodness and the grace of God. What's another thing that our job is to? Our job is to invite. Now, I'm a firm believer that we take the gospel out. And I'll be talking about that. We take the gospel out into all the world. But you know what? Guys, as the church of Jesus Christ, it's all of our responsibility to bring people to Christ, to bring them to the church, to invite people. When's the last time you invited somebody to a city gate service or to the church you're part of? When's the last time you invited somebody and said, you need to come to our church? I'll cover that a little bit. What else is our job? Our job is to turn up, is to be a part of it. Let's not be casual. These guys met every day. They were involved in this thing. They were there. It was happening. And I know we've had the COVID situation. It's been really very, very unusual. But guys, as we're returning now, come on, my friend, let's turn up. Let's be a part of what's going on. Why? Because God's not, God is unable to do his bit if we're not doing our bit. And a part of a healthy church is being part of a small group. It's serving on team. It's being there on a Sunday. It's giving. It's being having an inspired life that then reflects into what we do in the context of the church. Absolutely vital. We engage with what's going on on a Sunday. I'm always on. Come on, guys, let's engage. It's not just about sitting there hearing something. It's about engaging. Come on, let's engage in the worship. Let's engage in the preaching. Far easier to preach to people when they go, yes, amen, I'm getting this. This is awesome. Uh, I'm not saying that's always, you know, but I'm, I'm like that when I hear other people preach. It's like, yeah, fantastic. Come on. You know what? If you want to engage and hear the word of God, engage in it and pull on what's being preached. Can I hear an amen this morning? <laughs> what else is there? Love. Come on. I've already said we shine. And that's really with the love of God. Let's be friendly to people. 
Let's be the friendly one. Now, some of us have got a real ability, a people person type of ability. Uh, you know, we find it very easy to strike up a conversation. I'm not overly like that. I am in certain circumstances and in other ones, I'm just really quiet. But you know what? Let's, let's serve according to our gifting, absolutely. But let's also be friendly people in our workplace. God can't give the increase if we're the grumpy Christian in the corner or if we're the weird one. You know, the one that comes in on a Monday morning and goes, hallelujah. It's like, that's just weird. It's great if you want to shout that on a Sunday, as long as it's not being weird on a Sunday. But you know what? Let's not be weird people. The world doesn't get Christians. Of course, we believe the truth. But let's not act in strange, weird ways. Let's not dress you know, out of touch with society on Sunday here. You know, we don't come into this place all dressed up in suits and ties and whatever else. We dress in jeans and a t-shirt. It's perfectly fine. Come on, let's be normal people. Why? Because we're creating an environment for God to give the increase. This is really, really important. It's very natural. There are touch points in a church. You know, people have already made a decision about your church when they, when they drive up and they see what's going in on, on a Sunday. If there's no one laughing and smiling outside, if there's no greeting at the door, if, you know, all of those things, we call them, you know, perhaps the touch points. They've seen something online. Perhaps the website is, you know, just really drab and hasn't been renewed in 10 years. They've, they're already thinking, you know, this church is out of touch. And I know this is all very carnal, but you know what? I want to do everything I can to provide an environment for God to give the increase in the way that only God can. You know what? There are so many touch points, the people that they meet, the Christians, who we are in our workplace. I want God to, to bring the increase in Citygate Church. And we are the greatest advert of Christ. And our lives have got to display Christ, not as a, oh, you've got to be like Christ. Come on, let's, let's understand the importance of this. Let's understand the generation we live in. Let's understand that people need Jesus. They don't need a religious Christian. They need someone that doesn't come in and hit them with a Bible on a Monday morning in the office. They just need someone to say, listen, how are your kids doing in this time? You know, can I, and then perhaps they want to open up and say, you know what, my kids are really struggling right now. And then develop some trust. And then one day say, you know what, I'd love to pray for your kids. Pray? What do you mean pray? Well, actually, you know, I'm a Christian and I believe that God wants to do something good for your family. And you've spent some time developing a relationship. You've shone, you've loved, you've inspired. And you know what? You can pray, see a turnaround there. And then you've got an opportunity to invite and say, come on, why don't you come to my church? Show them a little bit of, you know, something on, on the internet. Because they don't know what church is about. If you say church, they think of somebody in a dog collar, which is no problem with that. But if you're inviting them here in Citygate, it's going to be very, very different. Come on, let's be, let's be clever about this. Let's love people and shine and do our part. I think it's a sad thing that sometimes Christians are the worst advert for Jesus. We're out of touch. We're ignorant. You know, perhaps they all say on a Friday night, come on, we're going down the pub, why don't you come with us? Oh no, I don't drink, I'm not going down the pub. Now, whether you drink or not, it's not the issue. But don't be a device, you know, a divisive person. Divide, say, yeah, I'd love to come down and go and hang out with your work colleagues. Have your soft drink, have your pint of beer. I'm not going to get into all of that. Bible's clear about don't get drunk. Absolutely. Come on, we have standards. 
but we relate with people. The Lord Jesus Christ was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard because he hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners. You know what? He was creating an environment where God could bring the increase. The Father, Jesus is God. The Father could bring the increase. Can you see what I'm trying to say today? Come on, we've got to do our part. Why Citygate Church grown so strongly over the years? It's because we understand we create an environment, we shine our light, and God is a supernatural God. There was an awe for the early church. It says there was great fear, a godly fear. And, um, you know, I want to close today by, by sort of saying, who are we attempting to appeal to? If we're just trying to appeal to Christians as the church of Jesus Christ, we have missed it completely. If we're, you know, if I want to just, you know, try to be the best church, whatever that is, the best church around to suck Christians out, out of other churches, we've missed the point completely. I'm not into just seeing people transferring all over the place from one church to another, even though, of course, people move and God can move people around. God sets in his body. I, I totally get it. But our drive here our passion here, because I believe it's the heart of God, is for all those who have never said yes to Jesus Christ. Why do we play the music we play? Because I want to appeal to the unchurched. God is happy with a hymn or a Christian punk song. He doesn't give a rip as long as it's glorifying God. But the world needs to relate to something that they can say, you know what? It's a bit like the Queen of Sheba came to see Solomon. She came in because she'd heard there was something going on down at that temple, down at that palace. And so she came in, you find this over in Samuel, I think 1 Samuel chapter 10. Um, you find her come in and there was, she went, wow, this is amazing. Look at what you built here. Look at the people who are serving on tables. What a spirit of excellence they've got. Happier the people who are in this, can I say it like this? Wow, look at the people on the front door. Look at the praise band. Look at this, look at that. Wow, these people are happy to be in this church. And then it says Solomon spoke to her about the name of God and the name of Jesus Christ and answered all of her questions. And it says she was so impacted it took her breath away. Come on, I believe in a church where God reaps the harvest of souls. That's what this is all about. But I believe with all of my heart, and I know this has probably been a very controversial you know, um, sermon in so many ways. We do our part. People don't come to Christ because of the chairs, but they come to Christ because of the chairs. People don't come to Christ because of a nice building, but they come to Christ because of a nice building. Total contradiction there. Chairs don't save people, buildings don't save people, smiley faces don't save people, but they create an environment where God's word can be preached, where people can come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Come on, we serve a Lord of the harvest. And as I close today, I want to say this, with every bit of compassion and love and faith on the inside of me, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world. The gospel is not just about come to church, but it's the believers going into all the world. We have a job, we have a role, we have a part to play. 
serving in kids' church, playing in the band, being a greeter, being a small group leader, helping in the media, you know, doing food banks that we do or the toddler groups or the whatever else that we do, all the things we're involved in. We've all got a role to play in helping a church environment, but we all have a role to be lights in the darkness, city on a hill, lamp on a lampstand, as we go out into our world and preach the gospel, make friends with people, love on people, serve people, have this in your vocabulary on a daily basis. What can I do for you? How can we serve? Jesus said it so many times. How can I help you? What can I do? Abraham said, what can I do for you? How can we serve our generation? Creating an environment where God can bring the increase. We have the promise of God that God is with us. We have the promise of God that God will and has empowered us. And we have the promise of God that we have the Holy Spirit. When we don't know what to say, He will speak through us. He'll remind us of things to say. He'll help us to relate and to speak words of life into people's lives. Not being weird, but being really on the ball having the word to say at the right place at the right time. Come on. This has been an amazing series. I've, I've really loved going through all of this. And um, as I've gone through this and as I've read through the book of Acts, I just see how easy it is to shine. It's not difficult to be a light in the darkness. And as we go out into this world, I want to encourage you. You're a world changer. You're a history maker. You are somebody for whom all things are possible. Your, your faith will move mountains. Your prayer will move the hand of God. Your love will break down barriers and walls. Your compassion will bring healing into people's lives. Come on, let's give the Lord of the harvest something to work with as we create healthy church environment and as we go out as a light in the darkness into every situation that we find ourselves in. Friend, I want to ask you today, have you ever made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Have you said yes to Jesus? I was 19 years old. My understanding and my experience of church had been very unhealthy up until that point. Meant absolutely zero to me, didn't inspire me didn't do anything in my life. If I went through those eight church healthy characteristics, I didn't experience one of them, not one of them in the church that I was raised up in. But you know what? I came to find out that Jesus Christ is Lord. And after that, I joined a church where those eight characteristics were getting on the road to being healthy and, and you know, developed over the years. And that's our heart for Citygate. But you know what? It's about receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. Have you ever said yes to Jesus? I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer right now, which is the first step of a brand new season in your life of making Jesus Christ Lord and Almighty God as your Heavenly Father, filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's going to be other steps, getting the Bible and other things and being part of a healthy church, wherever that is in your, in your environment, in your city. If you're anywhere near Southeast London, we'd love to see you here. But you know what? Church doesn't save anybody. Reading your Bible doesn't save you. There's only one thing, and that is declaring Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior as led by the person of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer right now that makes Jesus Christ Lord. Will you do that with me? Why don't you pray it out loud? Say, Heavenly Father, Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've demonstrated your love by sending your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. 
I receive you now as my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Friend, God bless you. Thank you so much for praying that prayer with me. You know what? It's a new day. The Bible says all old things have passed away now and everything's become new on the inside. You, you're now a child of the living God. With Jesus Christ as your Lord, Almighty God as your Father, and the person of the Holy Spirit as your daily helper. For everybody else online here today, thank you so much for being part of this series. And I hope it's strengthened you and really built your expectation for what church is all about. The glorious church of Jesus Christ, where Jesus is the head and we're the body. We're a city on a hill, a lamp on a lampstand in the world. And I'm going to encourage you to go out into all the world. And come on, let's shine as a light. Let's be disciples. Let's devote ourselves. Let's pray, read the word, listen to teaching, be a part of small groups, serve on team, all of that stuff. And let's see God do the most amazing things in our generation. God bless you. I'll see you next week.